you're a visitor or it's been a while, just glad to have you here. Um, we're really thankful to see people here. Hey, Joe, it's great to see you. <laughs> You've been here for a while. <laughs> Joe moved to Lusk a few years ago and just saw him sitting there. It's great to see you guys. It's great to see all of you guys here. And uh, I just hope you know that uh, our hearts are for you. We believe that if you're here with us this morning, that you're supposed to be here. And so we love you and uh, we're happy to have you. And all of us pastors put our numbers on the back of this bulletin. If you got something that we can do for you or a way that we could walk with you this week, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, it means a lot to us to, to have you with us today. So praise God for you. We've got a few things going on this week. Uh, Easter is uh, kind of what this week is all about. Um, on Friday, we have egg dying at 10 o'clock in the morning. If you want to come and bring the kids, uh, that's what we're doing. If, uh, if you can't come, we need you to bring eggs, though. <laughs> we have a, we'll have hundreds of kids coming for that Easter egg hunt, and so we need hard-boiled eggs and plastic eggs and candy. Um, so please, please bring those things uh, before Friday. Um, I don't know how many hundreds we'll need, but you could bring, you couldn't bring enough. So (laughs) then uh, we'll have the Good Friday service on Friday at six o'clock. So come after work at six o'clock and we'll have communion and uh, a good service uh, to celebrate uh, Jesus' death on the cross. And then Saturday, if you come at 11 o'clock, we'll have an Easter egg hunt. So it's a, it's a, basically it's infants through nine-year-olds. Just bring Bring them, and it uh, should be a great time. And if you, if you don't have kids that old, please come. And we're going to have a chili cook-off. But it would be great to have you here because we'll have hundreds of people from the community coming to this thing. And we just need people uh, here to make them feel welcome and, and uh, meet them and, and make connections with them. That's, that's why we have this Easter egg hunt is for an opportunity to share Christ with our community. So uh, please come and uh, be part of that. And then right after the Easter egg hunt, we have the chili cook-off, so we need you guys to bring giant pots of chili. Um, we, we almost ran out last year because so many people came. Imagine that. So, so bring chili and come and, and just be ready to, to meet new people and uh, spend time with the people from our city. And then Sunday, we'll have our sunrise service at 7.30 in the morning, and then we have breakfast right after. So you'll bring something for breakfast to share, um, anything that's uh, really good. And again, bring, bring a lot so that people that, that come as visitors have, have food to eat, and we'll be eating from 8.30 till the service at 10 o'clock where we can worship the Lord. So we have a lot of things going on, and we just really want you to come and be a part of it. Um, it's, a, it's a big focus on Easter to... Uh, to have people come, friends and family and your neighbors and the people of this city come. And so we as a church want to be, want to be there for these people to, to show them the love of Jesus. In fact, today, after this service, we're going to go out. We have a couple thousand of these, these invitations, and we're just going to hand them out across the city. And um, just would like to ask you to, to come and do that with us. We're just going to go across the hall, eat a quick lunch, and then we're just going to go out for an hour or two and to hand these out to people and just invite them to come and and. and Come where Jesus, come, come learn about Jesus. Come be part of us. Be courageous. Uh, I'm asking you, be courageous and do this thing. Uh, it's, what, what do we have if we don't have Jesus, if we can't, if we can't go and ask people to, to come and hear about Jesus? What is Jesus to us? He's everything. And let's stand up and worship him this morning. God, thank you, Lord, for giving us your goodness, Lord. Lord, we stand here in your presence this morning, Lord, because you gave us all your goodness, Lord, all the goodness in you, you sh- you've shown to us, Lord, and given us when you died on the cross for us, Father. 
What more could we ask from you? What more could we have, Lord? What is it that you, why, Lord, would you consider us, Lord? You did, and we're here today because of it, Lord. So let us worship you. Let us be in awe of you. Let us praise your name, and let us hear what you have to say to us today. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Let's begin this morning by reading together. This passage was preached through last week, Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. Read with me. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Let's hear it in Spanish this morning. Por lo cual, entrando en el mundo, dice, Sacrificio y ofrenda no quisiste, mas me preparaste cuerpo. Holocaustos y expiaciones por el pecado no te agradaron. Entonces dije, He aquí que vengo, oh Dios, para hacer tu voluntad, como, el, como en el rollo del libro está escrito de mí. Love verse 7. Then this is a prophecy from Psalms. Jesus declares, Behold, I have come to do your will, oh my God. And so let's sing about that this morning.
longer. Praise you, life and seed of glorious, Savior, King, our God, victorious, nevermore to has come, look upon the one, Jesus, Son of God, lifted up for us, oh, see his love, Jesus, heaven's light, no longer to be despised. Turn and greet one another this morning. There's a lot of really good fellowshipping and joy going on, but let's sing some more. Remain standing and go back to wherever you're at and let's, let's sing this morning what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How Jesus, Jesus. 
yesterday. We had a funeral for one of our elder saints, Miss Faye Dresser, and uh, oh, how she lived this out. She lived these truths we just sang out at such a high level. And uh, at the end of it, her her Bible was laying out front, and so I came down at the end of the funeral and got the got it and just. I don't know, I'm curious, but I'm also a little nosy. So started reading through it, and she'd, uh, she'd been given it. Uh, her husband, Gib, had given it to her back in 2001. And uh, so I leafed through it, and I'm looking through it, and there wasn't a page that hadn't been turned to in so many pages that had been marked up, and you could just see these faint tracks of this old saint in 22 years of walking with her Lord and reading in, her wor- in, in, in his word and places that she'd underlined. I went to John 17, one of my favorite passages, and it's Jesus' prayers for his disciples, and so many of those same prayers were underlined, and she could tell that she'd prayed those same prayers for people that she loved, and people that uh, probably many of us here in this church. And so, um, if she were here today, she would sing this quite loudly with us, because she's living this right now. Her faith has become sight. It's just sweet to trust in Jesus. Let's sing this. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know a saith the Lord. Oh, how sweet. Trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me deep the healing cleansing blood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. Jesus, oh, for 
Please be seated. That's exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Isaiah's good with this stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, today we need to be praying, praying that God would get the glory. We're here together, gathered in His name. Today uh, I'd like us to pray for those who are going out after the service. Uh, we'll be knocking on doors throughout our our city, handing out invitations to to have people come worship with us and come to the Easter egg hunt, chili cook-off. Friday night, we have a good good Friday service at 6 o'clock. Then, of course, on Resurrection Sunday, we'll be here at 7.30 in the morning, and then at breakfast, and then at our, our service. So come on out, be a part of that. And also, let's pray for the country of Mexico today. We've got 130 million people living due south of us. And Christ needs to be uh, glorified in Mexico as well. We, we know a lot of our pastors down there. Uh, we've been going down there for years now. Uh, my wife and I first moved into Mexico in 1994. And um, we had moved there from Panama. Um, hard to change countries. You got to take some of your stuff with you. We, we left some stuff with a, a believer down there. And then we came to the States. And then we ended up going back down there when it was time. And uh, God's at work down there too. But I, I would say Mexico has been... It's, it's getting tougher down there as well. Getting tougher. Yet God is bringing light to different communities as people like you and me and other believers go there. Randy and Don were just down there a few weeks ago and they got to participate with a, a group of believers in a little town called Lo de Marcos on the beach down in a state called Nayarit. You've probably never heard of Nayarit, but now you have. <laughs> Pray for Nayarit. Uh, let's pr- go to prayer. We're, we're just so thankful for what God's done in, in us and that we get the privilege of sharing the gospel of Christ in a dark world. Father, you've given us a mission. You've called us to go and make disciples of every nation. I pray for the country of Mexico today, that, that you would raise up a, a, a vibrant church, a church that will serve you and will reach their own people for Christ. I pray for, for the new believers down there and the old alike, that you would, you would just use them in a powerful way. 
God, you've been so good to us. You've allowed us to be a part of ministry throughout our, our, our world. We ask that you'd continue to do that. Father, go with those who are going out this afternoon to share the gospel and also just to invite people. We pray for open doors. We pray for hearts to be receptive. And when they're not, Lord, help us to just move on and and pray for these people. What a blessing it is to be here this morning, Lord. May you use your servant, Pastor Mike, to bring us a, a good word from your word. Give him the words to say, and may you get all the glory. Father, I pray for the offering as well, that you would use this offering for your glory. And uh, we give all the glory to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, men, if you'll come forward and do the offering, pass the plates, please. Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. It's finished.
Come out, brother. Come out, sister. That grave was just a bed. See the dawn drive out deepest darkness, guiding you to walk in faith each step. Come, you hungry. Come, you thirsty. And taste the bread of life. Let it fill you. Let it thrill you. His well will not run dry. Isn't it good news? Seeing the wretched redeemed. Seeing sins filled, washed clean. Seeing enslavement Okay, 
Time for kids to go to super church if you want to, third grade and under. And good morning to the rest of you. Glad you're here. As Rick pointed out, apparently from all over the place, glad for that. Um, man, I love to think about the good news. It's such, a, it's such a sweet thing just to think about it, just to think about it personally, just think about Christ, his love, his death, his resurrection, what it means to us, but it's incredibly powerful when we, when we bring it together, like we had the, the funeral yesterday for Miss Faye and, and uh, had a man share about Faye and some things he remembered about her life. And, and then, you know, he just, he just honestly said, I don't really have anything to say to families at that time. And, and you know, I've, I've been with folks when they were literally passing from this world to the next and been with, you know, families as their loved one is coming to that stage. And, uh, you know, there's some tough times. Uh, there's some things that, that are, there's just not much to say at that time. But when it comes to hope, I mean, when it comes to grief, when it comes to trials in this life, when it comes to broken families or broken kids or struggling marriages or whatever it might be, there's something to say, right? There's something to say. And that message is, is that Jesus Christ, God's son, died on a cross for our sins that we might be forgiven and have a relationship with God. And then he rose from the dead that we might know he's alive and that we might know that we will live through him even if we die. I mean, there's a message it's not a shallow message. It's not a insignificant message. It's not a message for one group of people and not for another group of people. It's for all. And, and you and I, when we talk about isn't it good news, you know, it's not just about these happy feelings when things are going well. It's about life, real life for those of us who know Jesus Christ. And man, that's what that's what we're celebrating as we draw near to Easter. That's what we celebrate throughout the year. I mean, that's why we go out in the afternoon to, to share with people about Jesus Christ and invite them to come to church and hear about Jesus Christ with us. You know, I had a lieutenant at the police department tell me he thought that was kind of weird that we would go out and knock on doors because, you know, people are a little uncomfortable when we do that. Well, I said, fair enough. I mean, I get that. Some stranger knocks on your door. But I said, how else are they going to learn? How else are they going to hear? How else are they going to find out about Jesus and about his love and about the fact that we might care for them? And how else are they going to hear? And, you know, that's what we do this whole week of Easter. You know, we, everything we're doing this week is about the gospel. You know, to have the Lord's Supper this Friday night at a special time. I mean, to come to church on a Friday night is a little bit extreme, you know. Except Jesus is pretty extreme. He's incredibly extreme, man. What he's done for us is so powerful that to come and remember his broken body and his shed blood for the salvation of our souls and to worship him and get our hearts right with him, it's all about him, right? It's all about that good news. Having an Easter egg hunt. I mean, 21 years ago when I showed up at College Heights, they were doing an Easter egg hunt, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this thing. I'm not for doing things that aren't about the gospel. I'm just not. Don't waste my time. But if we're going to share the gospel, when we get two, three, four hundred kids together, I'm all about the gospel. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to share the gospel with these children. And by the way, we're going to have this thing 
in the snow because I doubt it's going to be gone. And it's the coolest thing about the snow when you do Easter egg hunts is when you put the ones you've died down in the snow, it leaves a little ring. We've done it before. If it's yellow, it's a yellow ring. If it's blue, it's a blue ring. It's not hard to find. You just got to stick your hand down the hole. So we're going to do it. So just come. We're going to share the gospel. We do our chili cook-off, gather everybody around, and we share the gospel, and then we have fellowship with one another so we can encourage them in Christ. And of course, man, next Sunday, we're just going to worship. We're going to come together early. We're going to worship and have fellowship. It's all about the good news, right? It's, it's not about, I don't, I don't know, for me it's not about any kind of formality. I, I'm not very formal. I could care less about that stuff. It's about Jesus, though. And you and I, we need to understand that there, there really is a response to Christ. It's a lifelong response. It's a living response. You know, it's not just this, you know, all right, Jesus is whatever to me. I claim him as Savior, and so I'll just, you know, throw a little bit of, you know, acknowledgement to him every now and then. No, it's a, it's a powerful response. And it, as a matter of fact, in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual service of worship. Right? I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, and so, man, God's calling us to this good news that therefore changes our life. And, and we've been talking about that through the book of Hebrews, chapters 8 and 9 and 10. We went through last week the first part of it. And there's some powerful truth in here about Jesus Christ. And we're going we're gonna to review a few verses this morning, but then we're going to talk about this response that the Bible lays out to the cross. Three things that the Bible shows us are part of the response to Jesus Christ. And they're simple, and yet they're pretty powerful as well. So let me, let me review with you what we talked about last week, because you need to hear, these are the motivations for why we should respond, right? Hebrews 10.10 10 says, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I mean, to be sanctified through the offering of Christ means we've been set apart to be God's to be acceptable, to be known by him and loved by him, be a part of his kingdom. Hebrews 10, 12, we read last week, but he, talking about Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Having offered one sacrifice for all times, his life for all of ours and for all time. It's an incredible truth about Jesus so that we can have eternal life. Hebrews 10, 14, by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. I've been thinking about that all week. I mean, I can look in the mirror and tell you I'm not perfect. I can reflect in my heart over the day and realize that I have fallen short of God's glory. And yet through Christ Jesus and his death on the cross, he's perfected me in the eyes of God, made me acceptable. And if you know Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he's perfected you too. And guys, that's shocking. Isn't it shocking? It's nothing but grace and love and mercy and I'm so thankful for him. And we finished last week in, in verse 18 saying, now where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. There's no more offering needed. Christ has done it all. It's finished. And so now we come into this chapter 10, verse 19, and, and God begins to apply some of these things to our lives so that we can live out this truth of the cross. And in verse 19 it says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Man, we love you and are so grateful for Jesus, our Savior. And Lord, it's good news. It is the only true good news. As everything else falls short, Lord, every other good news is circumstantial. Every other good news is quickly moved or changed or eradicated by some difficulty in our life, but not the good news of Christ. It supersedes hardship. It supersedes brokenness. It supersedes grief. It supersedes death. It's life in Christ. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would celebrate that daily. I pray, Lord Jesus, as we draw near to the celebration of your resurrection, we would just amplify that worship and that joy and give you thanks this week for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that that we would learn to respond to you. You call us to respond. We have reasons to respond, and I pray you'd help us with that. And, and Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are here this morning that don't know Christ, that even today might be the day of their salvation. And Lord, I love you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here we come to this place, and you know, it says, therefore, brethren, and, and as I mentioned, you know, because of all these things Christ has done for us, he's then saying, therefore, there's some things that are happening here because of Christ. And the first thing that he really shows us are two pretty powerful blessings that we've been given because of what Christ has done for us. And the first one's there in verses 19 and 20. says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his, that is his flesh. And what he's saying is because we've been given this blessing to confidently enter into God's presence through the blood of Christ, then we are called to respond these three ways I'll talk about in a minute. But I want you to think about that for a minute, right? To, to think about the fact that we can have the confidence to enter into the presence of the living God. That, that's no insignificant thing. That's no small gift. That's no, if you will, inconsequential offering for us, right? Up until Jesus' day, you couldn't walk into the presence of the living God. You couldn't come into his presence to just enjoy him and to know him and to be known by him. The Bible says that to come into the presence of the living God would mean death, even in their tabernacle, they had a place that was the holy place. It was outside the inner tabernacle, which was the holy of holies. And there was this huge curtain there. And no one could go inside the curtain or else they would die. They would come to the presence of God inappropriately and they would die. Even the high priest could only go in there once a year on the day of atonement. And he was to take blood with him for himself and for the nation 
and then he could go in there. But when he went in there, they would tie a rope around his foot because if he did something inappropriate and he died, they could pull him out because they couldn't go in there to get him or they would die. So it was no inconsequential thing that Christ has made a way for us then to have confidence to enter the holy place through his blood. In other words, what, what he's telling us is the blessing we've been given through the cross of Jesus Christ is to be able to have this relationship, if you will, or this communication or to be known and to know the living God. That's incredible. Then he says he did this in a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Now, the, one of the great things, one of, the great, one of my favorite passages is in Mark chapter 15 about Christ on the cross, verses 37 and 38. It says, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. So here's the picture Right before then, if you tried to go into God's presence among men, you'd die. But when Jesus died, when he breathed his last breath, when he said, it is finished, and into your hands I commit my spirit, we're told in the other gospels, that curtain that kept everyone, every Joe, average, every average person like you and me, even all of the priests and even the high priests, except for once a year, that curtain was torn from top to bottom, and God literally said, all who come through Christ are welcome in my presence. Man, you think that's a blessing? I mean, I, it's an un imaginable blessing to have access to the creator of all. He created it all. All the galaxies. All of us. The earth as we know it. The planets as we know them. The solar systems. The, econo- the ecosystems. The plant life. The, the sea life. <laughs> all of it. We have access to him. That's an incredible blessing. Therefore, through Christ, we have access to the living God. Then he says the second thing that's a blessing is found in verse 21. It says, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Then you could add in there verse 19, therefore, because of all that Christ has done, we have a great high priest over the house of God. Now, again, that doesn't seem to mean very much. I mean... Sometimes we wonder what in the world, what would it mean for a priest to be over the house of of God? But it's very simple. Priests were to represent man before God, and priests were to represent God before man. And so here we're told that we have this great priest now who's over the house of God. He's to administrate, if you will, and watch over and intercede on behalf of the people of God before God and reveal God to us. So it's not some small thing that Jesus died on the cross. Because he died on the cross, we now have this great priest who is over the house of God and working in our lives. Man, that means everything to me. It means everything to me. To have God working in my life, to have God guiding me in my life, to know who God is, right? To realize that Jesus Christ is not just my Savior, 
He's not just my savior of my soul. He's my savior of all. Right? He works when there's struggles in my marriage. <coughs> he works when my children are struggling. Right? He works when the church is struggling. He works when somebody's grieving. He works when somebody's afraid. He works when we don't know what to do next. He provides our needs when we can't provide for ourselves. He gives us wisdom unmatched by the world. He gives us a strength on the inside that enables, to live, enables us to live like, like nobody else can live. I mean, he works in our lives, right? He is the great high priest over the house of God. <coughs> and that means everything to me. I mean, quite honestly, you can tell I'm not feeling 100% today, but I was worse yesterday. I even told the family, I can't really get near you guys. I'm not going to really stay. I had a fever. I wasn't feeling good. But, you know, I was committed to do this, the funeral. Nobody else was going to do the funeral. And, and I'm not really bemoaning this, but the truth is, is I needed him to be my priest, my intercessor, my strength. I needed him to enable me to do what I didn't want to do or couldn't do on my own. <laughs> Nothing. Nobody loves it when I'm up here coughing and hacking. You're all like, ah. you got plenty of room. You should be fine. I don't know about you, Lance, but anyway. Truth be told is that we have been given the privilege, the blessing, the gift of having the one and only living Savior interacting in our life day by day. And that means everything to me, right? Should mean everything to you. So the Holy Spirit saying to us in these first few verses, because of all that Christ has done, you have access to God, and you have a high priest working in your life day in and day out. And then that should therefore motivate us to respond to Jesus. Because I... I uh, I find myself sometimes talking about things like this, <coughs> wondering why. Why should I have to talk about things like this? And I shouldn't have to tell people that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that they should respond to him. I shouldn't have to tell people that. It's ridiculous for me to have to tell people that. I mean, if Christ is in you, right, living for him is a gift. Living for him is a joy. Living for him is a privilege. Living for him is a consuming fire and a passion in my life. Not because I'm perfect in any way, shape, or form, but because of what Christ has done for us, right? And yet, it's difficult. The things that we just talked about, the things that we're going to talk about, excuse me, they're not hard. They're really easy. These three responses that he gives us here, they're pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory. Yet, they're... They're really hard because it's a battle. Anybody have to battle to walk with Jesus? Anybody actually have to put down your own personal desires to walk with Jesus? Anybody have to get up? Oh, <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Trudy. I'll probably forget it's here, but I'll take a shot before I do. <sighs> anyway... Man, when it comes to walking with Jesus, I don't know why it's so difficult sometimes other than the fact that what we typically forget is him. 
if, if Jesus doesn't mean very much to us, there's no way we're going to respond well to him. You know what I'm talking about? If me and my desires and my agenda and my welfare and my time mean more to me than the glorious Savior who gave his life on a cross for me when I didn't deserve it at all, if I mean more to me than he means to me, then I, I just don't respond to him. I kind of push him out of my head. I kind of push him out of my heart. I kind of push him out of my time. I push him out of my life. And I live rebelliously and arrogantly and honestly shamefully. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of worship, right? So as we look at these things, they're simple, like I said, but these are three ways that they tell us right here we should respond. First of all, verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The first response that we should have when it comes to the cross of Jesus Christ is to draw near to God. Doesn't that sound simple? We've just talked about the fact that we've been given access through the veil into the presence of the living God. We have access to him. And so the first response to what Jesus has done for us then, it should be to just come into his presence. And I know sometimes when we talk about that, we go, what, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means a few different things probably, but it's, it's really just this simple. We want to know him. We want to have a relationship with him. I mean, I talked about this in the first service. If I want to draw near to Beth, my wife, I don't have to do that much. I just have to be near her. I mean, we get up in the morning, we talk to each other about how we slept last night. We talk about what we got going on today. If I get a chance to come home and have lunch with her, we talk about what we did that morning. And I told you I was going to make a mess of that. There we go. <clears throat> we talk about having a relationship. When I get a chance to come home at night, I talk about what she's been doing. We talk about our children. We talk about our grandchildren. We talk about people that we care about. We talk about our concerns. We talk about our fears. We talk about our future. We talk about our hopes, right? It's not hard to draw near to my wife. I love her. I want to spend time with her. She's the one person in the world I want to spend time with more than anybody else because I love her because she loves me in ways that nobody else loves me. When we talk about drawing near to God, no one loves me like him. No one. I mean, my wife is incredible. I got great kids. I have wonderful grandkids. I love you, and you have loved me graciously. But no one loves me like the Lord God Almighty through his son Jesus. No one. So why would I not want to draw near to him? And to draw near to God isn't hard. You, you pray. To draw near to God, you read his word, find out what he has to say about you and what he has to say about him and how to walk in this world. To draw near to God means to come and worship and lift our voices in song. To draw near to God means to live for him, right? You can't draw near to God and live in sin. 
I know people talk to me about this all the time. Well, I'm just doing this and it's not that big a deal. Listen, if you're living in sin, you're not walking anywhere near God. I don't care if it's small sin. When God convicts us of sin, repentance brings us to him, right? That's how we draw near to him. But when we say, no, Lord, I'm going to live in my own sin, no matter what you say, we're walking away from him. You can't draw near to him like that. It's not hard if you love him. And if you know how much he means to you, it's not hard. But if you mean more to yourself than he does, it is almost impossible. You see, he's not writing this out of context. He's telling us he has perfected for all time those who have been sanctified. He's telling you what he's done for us to his 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 sacrifice on the cross, and he's saying, so because of Christ's goodness in our life, draw near to him. Draw near to him. It brings him great glory and honor. And I love what he says, draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith. In other words, come to him purely, thanking him, and come to him by faith knowing that you're acceptable to him, knowing what he's done for you, knowing that he's going to accept you, draw near to him. And he says, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And we talked about that, right? How, how the law or our own personal works could never cleanse our conscience. It was always about the outside, the external. But when Christ died, man, he cleansed our conscience from evil works, right? So we could stand in the presence of God. He made us pure and clean and acceptable. And so he says, man, draw near to God with these gifts that Christ has given you. Know that because of him, you have the opportunity to know him. Man, there's a, a verse that I thought of as I was studying this Psalm 24 or 27.4. says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And David that wrote that psalm is saying, I would rather come into the house of God, into his physical temple, and come into his presence and know him and meditate on him than anything else. And here's the thing. You don't have to come to a building to pray. You don't have to come to a building to meditate on God. I believe we ought to be drawing near to God every day. I need him. I don't need him a little bit. I know I say this sometimes to people, and honestly, I don't think they really believe me. You know, somehow you, when you become a pastor, somehow, right, you, you don't need God anymore. Somehow you think they you get it figured out. Man, I, I need God to protect my heart from my own sinful desires sometimes and from the pain of what others bring to me sometimes. I need God to give me love and grace when my flesh doesn't want to. I need him to give me wisdom. I need, to give him, I need him to give me abilities and courage. You know, I need him to give me a strength that, that I don't have on my own. I need him. And so when we draw near to God, I hope we draw near to God as we're driving down the road. I hope we draw near to God while we're at work. I hope we draw near to God when we're dealing with our families. I hope we draw near to God when we're alone. I hope we draw near to God all the time. 
Because quite honestly, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? What a gift we've been given to come into his presence. Let's take advantage of that. And can I just say this? If you're not very good at drawing near to God, why don't you begin to ask him to help you? Why don't you begin to ask him? Lord, I want to know you, and I want to love you, and I want to draw near to you, and I need to draw near to you. Will you help me? Because he will. Well, let's go on. The second thing he encourages us to do in response to Christ is, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I love this one. Let us simply hold fast the confession of our hope. What is the confession of our hope? It's that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and he's keeping us, and he'll never let us go. Our hope is that Jesus Christ saves and keeps us saved. That's our hope. But let us hold fast that confession of the hope. You know, how many people do you know that are Christians that, man, they don't have hope. They talk to you, and they're just discouraged. They're frustrated. They're afraid. They're empty. They're depressed. They're whatever they are, but they're not displaying hope. I mean, shoot, I know people that are in depression that display hope. I do, and that's how they make it through their depression. But there's a lot of people that are depressed because they think that their life is all about them, and they think that their life is only going to be handled by them. And because of that, man, life is overwhelming. Life is fearful. Life is hopeless. But when you know what Jesus has done for you, when you know who he is and how he went to the cross for you and how much he loves you, then you can hold fast the confession of your hope. And that hope is that he's always going to be there for us. He's always going to be enough for us. He's always going to walk us through whatever we're going through. He's always, he's never going to fail. Not ever. Do you believe that? I believe that. I fail. I fail. Pretty regular fail. But him, no. No, he didn't fail. Does he, go, does he let us go through hard times? Yes. Do we experience the sufferings of this world? Yes. But he's with us. Man, I got to tell you, this morning while we were praying, the pastors, we were praying about going out this afternoon, and this was my prayer. Lord, I pray that they have great encounters with great people and that encourage them, and I pray they have some pretty tough encounters with people that maybe challenge them. So if you have some tough encounters and you go out this afternoon, you can blame me. Go ahead and call. I won't change my stance on this. Because guess what? We have a confession of hope in the midst of the battles that we face. And man, there's some, some real need for us to have a little bit of challenge in our faith sometimes, right? Because walking with Jesus is about overcoming It's not about comfort and ease all the time. It's about knowing who he is. And the confession of our hope is that he is our savior completely. And he's never going to let us go. How about we respond to Christ with confidence in Jesus? Not confidence in us, but confidence in Jesus. It goes no matter what he requires of me, no matter the suffering I must go through for him, no matter the challenges before me, no matter where he sends me, I trust him and my hope is in him. And just last week, 
one of the sweetest women I've ever met in my life, confidently had her hope secured when Christ came for her. One of these days, right? That's my hope. My hope is not in this world and not in anybody else but in him. Third response. This is the easy one. This is the most famous one. This is the easy one. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Piece of cake, right? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How many of you thought about that today? You got up this morning and said, man, I'm going to stimulate somebody to love and good deeds. Did you say that this morning? (laughs) It's not fair. You didn't read that passage. You don't have to think about it, right? Except that's a response to Christ. Right? So many people think that their relationship with Jesus is just this personal relationship that doesn't involve anybody else. And wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just shut off everybody else and live our own lives for our own glories and our own personal, you know, satisfaction? Wouldn't it be nice if, if we didn't really have to talk to anybody about Jesus or get involved in anybody else's life? Because, you know, people are messy. People are messy. They're not that nice. They can be frustrating. They can be irritating. They can be challenging. Right? Isn't, isn't that true? Oh, I forgot where I'm at. I forgot. We're college None of you are that. And you don't know anybody like that. Isn't this a crazy one? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds as a response to Jesus. Why would God call us to respond to others that way? Oh, that's right. Jesus is the epitome of love and good deeds. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, love can't be shown apart from action. Just like faith cannot be shown apart from action. So he tells tells us, if we're going to know Christ, if we're going to see him and all his glories and what he's done for us, then we have to begin to figure out how can we impact others within the body of Christ to live like Jesus, love and good deeds. But then he gives us the answer as how how we do that. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's, that's even more interesting, because the Bible says that we stimulate one another to love and good deeds by getting together, assembling together. And man, I can't tell you how many times people have told me, I don't have to go to church and be a good Christian. I've just quit trying to appease them. Because really what you're telling me is you're trying not to be a good Christian. But anyway, shut up. Truth is, is how do you honestly think you're going to Walk with somebody else and be encouraged if you won't encourage somebody else. How do you think you're going to actually have somebody lift you up and bless you if you won't walk with anybody else? 
I mean, I find great encouragement just by you guys showing up together with me so we can worship Jesus together. That's enough. But this is not just talking about showing up at church once a week, once a month. It's not talking about that. It's talking about gathering in such a way that we can talk with one another and encourage one another and build each other up and stimulate one another because we need it. Because walking with Jesus can be difficult, can it? Man, I've told this story so many times, but it's, it's, it was so true of me. I mean, when, I was, when we were pastoring our first church, Beth and I, we were like 12, <clears throat> and uh, I felt like I was 12, and it was a tough church. These people were not nice. Some of them were so nasty. I mean, they would talk about us. Beth was pregnant. She's in the hospital, and, you know, she's having a hard time with her labor, and we're worried about the baby, and, and we get a call from them, and they said, well, just so you know, during business meeting tonight, we talked about you guys, and you guys are I'm like, great. Thanks for calling. Nasty people. But I was going to Bible college at the time, and I'd go down there, and these guys were there. They were close to my age. I mean, some of them were old. And uh, I'd sit down with them, and I, and I couldn't wait to tell them, man, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, and this. And, and these old guys would just look at me, and they'd just go, you'll be all right. That's, I'm not kidding. I can't tell you how many times they go, you'll be all right. And I'm like, is there not more? Is there not more to you'll be all right? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and that's what they were saying to me. He loves you. He'll see you through. He's seen me through. He'll see you through. And they told me that all the time. And now I'm an old guy. And guess what I'm going to tell you when you're struggling? You'll be all right. I might tell you a little bit more because I always wanted a little bit more, but truth is, is you'll be all right. But I needed it. I actually really did need that because I'd go home. It was like a two-hour drive home. I'm driving home, scratching my head, thinking, why couldn't they tell me more than that? And the Holy Spirit would say to me, because I'm enough for you. They were right. Trust me. And man, Beth and I learned how to pray. Beth and I learned how to trust. Beth and I learned how to be strong. Beth and I learned how to be broken. Beth and I learned that God, through Jesus Christ, is all that we need. But I needed that encouragement from them, and so do you, and somebody probably needs encouragement from you today. Man, I, I told this story, maybe I shouldn't, but I, really the first time I really got to ride with the police department, I, I rode with a sergeant, and, and while he, we were out, he gets this text that says, hey, can I meet with the chaplain? another police officer, and I'm like, this is crazy, man. I really, first time I get a chance to ride, somebody wants to see me. <clears throat> and uh, basically, we just parked and met, and this officer was really excited about Jesus, to say the least. And so we talked about it for a little bit, and I said, well, let's just pray. I wasn't thinking, you know, that's just, I'm just going to pray. So we get, we're standing out in a parking lot in North Casper, we pray, and I realize when I get done, maybe I shouldn't have done this. I don't even know if they're supposed to do this. But all I know is if I'm going to encourage somebody, I'm going to pray for them. Did you know that when we gather together, even in church today, you can pray with each other? Did you know that? It's kind of a nice place to do it. Did you know that you could meet with somebody for coffee and encourage them? Did you know you could meet in a small group? You can go to Bible study. Did you know that you can be a great encouragement to people when you're with people? But when you won't gather with other believers, 
you say an awful lot about Jesus. That he doesn't mean that much to you and that you don't expect him to mean that much to them either. But when you gather together and you encourage one another to love and good deeds, you stimulate one another to love and good deeds, guess what? You're, you're building up the kingdom of God. You're building up one another. You're walking beside somebody in grace and in love and encouraging them just the way Jesus Christ does for us. And we need him. And quite honestly, we need each other. And I get it that somehow we've decided in Wyoming that our culture is so independent that we don't need anybody else. And that's a joke. That's a joke. There isn't a person alive, I don't care how tough they are, that doesn't need somebody to come along and love them and encourage them, and especially from another Christian. So here we have these three simple responses to the great glories of Jesus. They're easy, right? Draw near to God. Why wouldn't we want to? Except we've got to set aside time for him and focus on him and take our eyes off ourselves. Man, then we have the great encouragement to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He's Savior, he's Lord, and I'm not changing. I don't care what people say or do. I trust him. And then the encouragement to respond to Christ by encouraging one another. Man, nobody, nobody hates going somewhere where they find courage, encouragement from others. The church ought to be a place of encouragement, amen? Man, I need it when you encourage me. Uh, I need it, you need it. But this all stems from what? What Jesus has done for us. So how about we be about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I need help to draw near to you. We all do. Would you help us not just draw near to you today, but every day? And Lord, sometimes it's hard to hold fast that confession of hope, to believe that we're going to overcome because of Christ in us, to believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel and that there's life after death. Lord, it's sometimes hard, but let us be unwavering in our confession of Christ and the hope that's in him. And Lord, truly let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider how to encourage each other by getting together, praying for each other, speaking to each other, helping each other. Lord, you make all the difference. And I know that there's some here this morning that have never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior and Lord, they're trying to figure out what the difference is and they'll never know until they believe in you. So I pray that today would be the day that they believe and are saved. Thanks for loving us. We love you back. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. We'll respond. Our pastors will be down front. We'd love to pray or visit with you any way we can. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way the sin
good, so good to be here this morning. I am thankful for these men and women, for these boys and girls. I'm thankful for you, Lord Jesus, who love us, who showed your love so powerfully on the cross. I'm thankful that you overcame sin and death through the resurrection. I'm thankful. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would love you and grow in our love for you, that we really would draw near day after day because we need you and because you're so wonderful that we want to get to know you. I pray that we would hold fast that confession of hope. Lord, our hope is secure in Christ. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing which, through which we won't have you with us, Lord God. Nothing is going to overcome us, and I'm thankful for that. And Lord, I pray that we would stimulate one another to love and good deeds, to grow and to rejoice and to honor you. And Father, as those that are getting ready to go out and invite people to church this afternoon and share Christ this afternoon, as they get ready, bless them, prepare their hearts, encourage them, use them in wonderful ways. And as we leave this place, Lord, may you bless each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.